0: It's that time again for the Assault on Your Ears we call Lower Dorks, a Star Trek Lower Decks podcast. I'm Aaron, and with me as always is Stavros. Stavros, let's start by mixing a drink.
1: Yes, let's. Uh, today we are doing a Dark Stormy, To you turned me on to just, just today. Um, it is a mix of ginger beer, rum, and a splash of lime juice. Uh, the rum in question that, I, that uh, you recommended was the Kraken Black Spiced Rum. And you know what? I know how much you love Tentacles. Maybe... I guess I'm not surprised that you picked the Kraken here.
0: Yeah, you know, I was feeling inspired by our last episode. You did, however, (laughs) slightly sidestep the name. It is a Dark and Stormy, although we may not be able to use that name as... It was a subject of a tense legal battle between rum manufacturers some years back. Ooh, dramatic. Indeed. But yes, uh, the lime juice is usually replaced with a slice of lime i personally am lazy and slicing limes is too much work for me
1: (laughs) it is a lot of work and i have to say you know i'm i'm always a fan of mixed drinks and you know you're trying to turn me on to a lot of uh whiskeys and whatnot on this show but um any kind of mixed drink like this thumbs up good mix of flavors i'm on board with this one
0: fantastic okay so let's talk about the episode Let's do that. Let me tell you a little
1: bit about this episode. So in this episode, the Lower Deckers are separated into three groups. In fact, this might be the first episode with three simultaneous plots. Uh, But the first group, Boimler, who is desperate to have the visiting Lieutenant Tom Paris sign his collectible plate, even though the Cerritos' upgraded security systems don't recognize him. Uh, Tendi and Mariner, who are dispatched to retrieve Dr. Tana's sexy family heirloom. And Rutherford, who desperately wants to find out why Lieutenant Shax is back from the dead. Ultimately, Boimler barrels through the ship and eventually gets punched out by Paris. Teddy and Mariner destroy the heirloom and fail to get it fixed, only to find that Tana wanted the box. And Rutherford learns the reason Shax's back would give any man the ultimate existential horror. Well, man, the Kraken from our beverage.
0: We're running pretty quickly there. Spoiler alert, buddy. I haven't watched the episode <laughs> yet. Well, you know what? This is
1: this recording's gonna be a problem.
0: Oh, shit. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to wing it. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, the return of Shaq's. I was right. He's not dead. Didn't happen. Yeah. We called it. I feel like like we were ahead of the game on this one. (laughs) (laughs) On the uh, other hand, they start off the episode without an explanation and then Mm. quickly backpedal to throw one in. So I'm not sure how I feel about this.
1: And, you know, I wanted to ask you, you know, is does Shaxx being back, I mean, it's funny and, and unexplained because, as we all know, Lower Deckers don't really hear the full story ever, except for Rutherford, who may be scarred for life now. But um, does it cheapen Shax's sacrifice for you in the end of season one where he uh, sacrifices himself for, for his baby bear?
0: It does not. You know what? It's a comedy show and ultimately... It's based on episodic shows where they tend to return to the status quo. And sure. sometimes <laughs> I just feel like it's like Jed Zia's sacrifice or loss in mm. DS9. It just it didn't add much to the show. It just kind of threw a wrench into things. I just don't really care one way or the other, I guess.
1: Well, you know, now we have two chiefs of security. So what's going to happen there?
0: Well, you know, we don't know that uh, Shax is back to full duty. You know, maybe he's just uh, working through his uh, stuff,
1: <laughs> his whatever his resurrection experience was. Yes, but I you know Shax is a, ended up being a fan favorite uh, after season one, so I'm I'm glad he's back. It is hilarious the way that they are talking about it, as you mentioned. So, uh, you know what? I don't even care. You know, maybe they maybe they're co chiefs of security yeah they're, they're both doing the job
0: doesn't really matter he's back <laughs> and uh, apparently emotionally scarred and deeply terrified <laughs> yes i do want to comment something though in the shack's return scene prior to that there is a scene that i really love and it really made me realize why mariner hates jen <laughs> yes
1: yes we're, we're getting more insight into this jen relationship every episode now
0: Heckling Boimler as he tries to use the replicator that uh, does not want to give him the food he so desires.
1: Yes, I feel like Jen's not on anyone's good good list right now. She's she's not earning any point, anyone any points. Yes, uh, but you know if, if we're gonna talk about Boimler though, I I was getting strong uh, sixth sense vibes that M Night Shyamalan movie. I feel like is he dead or like is something with the transporter accent, Is he not real? Like, what's what's happening? And then, but even though Mariner obviously recognizes him and speaks to him and stuff, I was starting to, like, doubt myself. Like, who whose security protocols are that bad? And the answer is the USS Sirius's.
0: You know, or it's entirely possible that uh, he is not True Blue Boimler. And as I suspected, Ooh. he is a replicant. And that's why the ship didn't recognize him because <laughs> he's close, <laughs> but no cigar
1: yeah well, he does say that the glitch is rectified at the, right at the end of the episode, so i I mean if maybe if you were, maybe were they his just for it,
0: maybe they did a new biometric scan, and that's why the ship recognizes yeah. him now,
1: yeah, maybe that's it. who knows what's going on if this is gonna this is gonna t- turn into some kind of Boimler shenanigans later in the season, I know it, but it's too it's too diff- it's too early to point my put my finger on what exactly is happening just yet, yeah.
0: but something's going on for sure, so the things we see happen to Boimler. He gets crushed in a door. Yes. He nearly gets evaporated in the tubes. Mm -hmm. He nearly gets asphyxiated by a gas-filled chamber, all because (laughs) the ship doesn't recognize him. I feel like there's basic safety protocols that are missing here, (laughs) and I feel like this is a trend of just starfleet being super negligent towards osha standards (laughs) not just exploding consoles now no now it's also literally the ship will murder you if you're in the wrong room at the wrong time
1: you know cerritos is a diplomatic ship too i mean i hope they can figure that stuff right whenever they have guests on board you can't just have doors like crushing visitors just because they're not recognized by the ship that's that's no good
0: i don't know i think you can do that just make excuses. Yeah,
1: I mean shift uh, the blame. I guess oh man! Although uh, continue to talk about Boimler. So there's there's a scene where he introduces plate uh, to Tom Paris plate, which of course, as anyone on the internet knows, is all the rage. And I think you can buy it on uh, on the official Star Trek store website now, if you if you really want to get yourself a uh, Tom Paris uh, lower deck style plate. But it, when he first has the plate, he like leans down and he like pops open from a crate and he has like all of, of the plates of all of the voyager senior staff in there and i like i felt a flash of like embarrassment because i i don't have plates i'm not quite there but i do have like binders full of autographed pictures of of star trek actors and i'm like oh god am i boimler oh no that was sad I well
0: nobody really wanted to say anything
1: It's <laughs> everyone new but no one was saying anything yeah
0: yeah, but yeah, I you understand. know, I love the plate thing, but I love the, like, in-universe logic that Starfleet, <laughs> like, somebody has to make these plates, right? I mean, they don't have to physically make them, they can just be replicated, but somebody has to sure. design them, you know? This has to be a thing that they yeah. do, and that, that <laughs> is hilarious. Like, it was one thing in DS... <laughs> Who's Dios... doing it? I, you know what? It's probably just <laughs> some, like, group of Starfleet officers or, you know, uh, enlisted men <laughs> who work at a starbase and never actually get out, and... They're just obsessed with the adventures of the bravest ships on the frontier.
1: <laughs> and you know, another brick in the fourth wall, just like those old scientists, got the "voy" <laughs> abbreviation. Alec Rivers, like, huh, that does save a lot of time. Nobody calls but, it VOI yeah, like, Damn it. it. <laughs> People abbreviate it VOI. Come on.
0: In written form, not when they speak. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, maybe
0: that's the joke. But I do want to comment on something. So Tom Paris does eventually show up, and Boimler does finally get his uh, big meet and greet after his bizarre adventures through the ship. Yes. And Tom Paris immediately starts beating the crap out of Boimler. (laughs) I know. Poor Boimler,
1: man. But I do do
0: want to comment on something. Tom Paris mistakes him for a Kazon. (laughs) Other side of the galaxy. (gasps) What, a decade away the last time he saw a Kazon? I mean, that reeks of, like, PTSD. I mean, what the hell are these counselors doing that he has untreated PTSD going on here?
1: Yeah. Well, I think, you know, judging by the counselor on the Cerritos, I think, I feel like, you know, of all the counselors we've seen in Star Trek shows, many some of them just aren't that good.
0: I don't think most of them are that good. I mean, like, you got Troy, who's all like, these aliens, I'm sensing anger from them. It's like, no shit, <laughs> they're shooting at you. They ain't doing it for funsies. That's right. <laughs> but I love the fact, though, that the rest of the bridge crew, as Tom Paris is beating Boimler up, they just kind of stand around and watch. <laughs> they just stand there, yeah. <laughs> like, you nobody know, tries to get involved. you feel like this is a cathartic moment for them they've always wanted to uh take out their frustrations on boimler
1: i like the the officer like calls the captain's attention because that's the time where mariner's ramming the shuttle into the cerritos and he's just like uh captain the captain's like uh um sure i'm gonna deal with this you you two kids have fun yeah uh poor boimler joke at boimler's expense but like yeah tom bears really flies i mean just because someone falls out of jeffrey's tube into the bridge you just assume they're a kazon assassin <laughs> he's got some issues
0: so enough about the b plot what about the a and c plot
1: Ooh, which one do you think is the a plot
0: oh it's There's so the, many plots uh, uh girls adventure
1: <laughs> okay,
0: that's the a plot.
1: Okay, yeah, there's there's a lot happening there, and you know what? Um, I I was on board with this, and they break the fourth wall here too, where they're like, "Huh? Like we haven't been on adventures together?" And it's like, "Yes, we know. You've seen season one."
0: <laughs> well, I mean, that's not really fourth wall breaking. I mean, it's very in universe. <laughs> they haven't gone on any missions together
1: yeah it's both i think is what's going on there for sure but it's funny you know they they talk a lot to each other about you know the big the big plot and the conflict between them is that they don't neither one of them has spoken a lot about themselves for various reasons and they are both offended in certain ways by that but it's interesting because we you know we hear like there we know there's more to mariner's backstory and she's purposefully withholding it and she even says as much here um, and, you know, Tendi has similar issues because she is, you know, Orion in Starfleet, has to deal with constant, I don't know if you call it racism, I guess so. Anti-Orion racism. So, you get to see these, these two similar sides of these two characters.
0: Yeah, and actually, I'm glad that we're finally seeing that uh, Mariner has way more of a backstory than they've ever led yes. on to before. We've seen hints of it, but you don't really get too in-depth. Although, I do find it interesting that they chose to... Uh, have her uh, stationed on DS Nine during the mm. Dominion War. I thought that was an interesting yes. uh, choice.
1: Yeah, and we've seen her there in flashbacks. I think, right? Yeah, but Where you didn't know whether she was assigned, assigned there
0: or whether it was just like you know right. shore leave, right? But now we yeah, have confirmation.
1: Point. Yeah, and I want to know. I, I hope it comes. I hope we get more information about that later yeah. in the show.
0: But you know, all sorts of also great background bits you see the signs for quarks and Vix. yes
1: so is so is that the same vic Fontaine hologram do you suppose i would assume so they
0: had given him a lot of autonomy at the end of ds9 i think they even had like made a deal where his program was just constantly running uh, i right. think it would be hilarious if it turned out that like him and quark had a huge rivalry going <laughs> fighting for customers across what- the galaxy
1: <laughs> and there are places that are just like literally across the street from each other, and they just stare at each other uh, down. Yeah, that's
0: all they do. Yeah. There's there's Quark and Vic Fontaine holograms <laughs> all over the universe, just yes. opening bars across from each other, just in an effort to take each other down.
1: <laughs> I love it, but they they go to some extreme or remote places. Like they go to the um, the place to pick up the totem, um, and then they go to the Orion pirate. Yes, place. but Planet in between two. those,
0: they go to, I can't remember the how to pronounce the name, Bonestell? Okay. Where they're going to get the thing fixed, right? And that's where they run to the noskins which is a right. callback. Yes. That is where yes. Picard got a knife through his heart, both figuratively and literally.
1: Yes, and they even play some jot. Yeah. A little, like, weird pool-like game. It's
0: more billiards than pool. Ah, oh, yes, yes. But... I really hope this leads to an episode down the road where we get a uh reverse tapestry episode where it shows who Mariner would have been if she had gotten stabbed through the heart by the Nausicaans and she's all like, No all that sucks, I like where I am and it's all <laughs> Q trying to get her to take a different path would be fantastic.
1: You know, they've they I would like to see them bring back Q for a, a more serious role because before he's just he's just there for some some quick lulz, but you know what? If you're if you're gonna have someone stab through the heart, maybe it should be Mariner.
0: Damn, that that that's cold, man. That's cold. <laughs> but after they get done with that, they go to the Orion planet, and that is just fantastic right. interaction.
1: Yes. And what is the title that she gets from the uh from her Orion associates?
0: Mistress of the Winter Constellations. What does uh, it mean? Well, the Winter Constellations, she... I can't think of what the Winter Constellations are. There's actually constellations on Earth referred to as the Winter Constellations because they're more visible from Earth. I don't know if Orion is one of them or not because, you know, I haven't been that nerdy since I was a little kid. But uh, (laughs) fantastic title. Oh, yeah. So I also want to do, in that exchange, just before that, when they're meeting her cousin? Was it her cousin? Yes. Mariner goes through her attractions and the people she's... Uh, had flings with and most of them are pretty good but she gets to bad binars and i'm like i don't even know how that would work (laughs) the proto borg aliens
1: yeah yeah i just one of them you know i mean they're they're a race of dual duos so or at least duos yes so she just she just has relationships with one of them i feel like just to make the other one mad because that's just how what how Mariner rolls. Well,
0: they are bad binars. So like good binars would be, you know, in sync with their pairs. Yes. I yeah, just I I point. don't know why I found that reference hilarious. <laughs>
1: yes, we do get a uh, a a glimpse into um Mariner's private life. And you know, speaking of that, you know they they are they're kind of joking the whole time about how, you know, Mariner and Boilmore are usually the du- the duo and Tendi and Rutherford are usually the duo and Tendy's like you know are, are you and you know boimler like a, a couple and mary's like oh god oh geez like oh he's more of like a pet <laughs> and then uh, she asks uh, Tendy, he's like oh are you and rutherford a couple <gasps> and i was like leaned forward in my chair a little bit as i was watching this because of course as we all know tenderford is the best relationship in the show
0: whatever dude um ruther lips <laughs> all the way
1: and she says something like non she doesn't deny it but she says says something non-committal yeah it's like i don't know
0: right i don't think so
1: she says like not really or something like that like something non-committal but not a denial and i was like "Eh, yes that means that you know it's gonna be a will they won't they you know i'm I'm fine with this it's gonna be it's gonna be the
0: best yeah whatever you say (laughs) i just like that that mariner like every implication of her being interested in someone immediately just creeps her out because she had the same response to her attraction to uh ransom
1: yes that's right so ethical
0: i think she has i think she has issues she needs to work through perhaps she should go <laughs> back to counseling
1: but <laughs> well, you know what we've been over this the counselors in starfleet are are mediocre at best so is it that surprising that mariner still has issues that she needs to work out
0: i just find it based on what we've seen so far in the uh, this series and every other series i i find it amazing how few people have serious psychological issues
1: <laughs> yeah i mean rutherford got a half of his head torn out
0: yeah but and... he doesn't remember it so it's fine
1: oh uh, yeah no existential okay, well nightmare that... there <laughs> yeah well he's he now he has the existential nightmare it, is there you know to replace that so even he is scarred uh, but no i I mean i I love to see this duo happening you know Tendy talks a lot about her need to please people which of course we've seen in earlier episodes she even says in this episode like her need to please people has kind of obfuscated her own past and talking about herself and Mariner of course has her own reasons she she says that you know by the time she makes friends they're all promoted and of course as we all know Mariner spends half of her professional career at the brig so she's she's not getting promoted anytime soon i guess so i found it to be pretty compelling in a, a a kind of unlikely pairing that that i enjoyed sounds like she's got some
0: abandonment issues
1: <laughs> i think so do you have any any hypotheses as to what exactly happened with her
0: or is it still too early yeah you know what i could hypothesize all day maybe we'll do an episode about it
1: maybe after uh, season two but is, is we,
0: we still have a whole nother plot to get to
1: well, you know what? Before we move on, let's talk about the box and the totem.
0: Oh, boy. And yes. Dr. Tana. You know, at first, I was like,
1: how much are they Are they anthropomorphizing Dr. Tana? Because she, I mean, she's an anthropomorphic cat. But as we as we saw here, she can also be 100% cat <laughs> and like the box.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a problem, because she's supposed to just be an alien, right? But, I mean, that is a yeah. hilarious scene, nonetheless.
1: Yes, Oh, and a uh, uh, how about the uh, the ramming speed, the shuttle bouncing off the shields because there was a bee in the the cabin?
0: I feel like that wouldn't happen. I feel like the consequence <laughs> of being at ramming speed and hitting something would be a lot worse for the shuttle. Yeah, I think you're
1: i I think you're totally right. I mean, it's obviously done for the comedy value. But the little like tink sound effect when the shuttle oh. the shuttle bounces off the shields was amazing. Comedy
0: gold. Great reminder yeah. that this is a comedy show. <laughs>
1: and I think I'm going to use uh, put the bee in the brig. It's the bee's fault when you put the bee in the brig. I think I'm going to use that next time. I'm
0: in trouble. <laughs> but Go yes, on. and then they they finally get back and yeah didn't didn't really care about the totem. And it's funny because the entire episode I remember thinking. Why are they still using totems when they have holodecks if they have to, you know, release those urges? And yeah. lo and behold, she didn't need to release those yeah. urges. <laughs>
1: well, I mean, you know what? You're bringing up the holodeck, and that raises all kinds of problems. Like, why couldn't she just go in, into a holographic box? And
0: Why couldn't she just make everything a new box? Wrong. I'm going to assume yes. that there's something mental about it. Like, there has to be some sort of connection, you know? Right. But who knows? I mean, maybe she's maybe she should see a therapist about it.
1: <laughs> well, you know what? There, the Cerritos has in fact one of those.
0: Yeah, and apparently he's terrible.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, shall we shall we cover the last plot then the uh, Rutherford uh, the Rutherford Shacks plot, which we've already talked about some.
0: The first rule of Resurrection Club is you don't talk about Resurrection Club.
1: Yes. And you're satisfied without having a real explanation for Shax's return that, huh?
0: You know I am, but it raises so many questions the little tiny bit we get about it.
1: <laughs> yes, and the the Shax uh, talking to Rutherford in the Turbo Lift about like what exactly the experience was was amazing, very well executed. Something about facing down like you first you die and then you go to the Black Mountain. Yes, which... do
0: you know about the Black Mountain?
1: <laughs> is that and do you suppose that's a bajoran uh afterlife thing or is is that just i don't know something else um, we
0: know that the klingons have a different afterlife that doesn't involve a black mountain or facing down the... three specters of your father and then force feeding your specters. own heart <laughs>
1: correct yes but now rutherford is uh you know i hope his implant comes with convenient memory removal technology because he's scarred for life now yes
0: you know though i love the scene where rutherford is like imagining what happened to shacks
1: yes that was a great scene and there's so all kinds of little uh easter eggs in there too like there's a there's like a neelix costume rutherford and i was wondering if uh uh if that had to do at first i was like are they bringing two vicks into this then I was like, uh, I guess it's just a regular Neelix. I guess not. Yes. They're not quite opening that like can of worms.
0: Yeah. You know, when you saw shacks from all sorts of different timelines. Uh, I love the, yeah. it's always Christmas in the Nexus.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and one is very like, why is that? Why did T'Pol have that weird hair that one year? Yeah. So like what the, <laughs> the on, question
0: I mean, is, why did Rutherford know about that? i don't know his imagination (laughs) created that shacks
1: oh man yeah lots of uh lots of various shacks in that uh, in that shot and then when they're discussing
0: the like ways people come back from the dead it's like a reference to all berevis episodes of people coming back from the dead Um, yes (laughs) obviously they reference the nexus twice they reference scotty being trapped in a teleport or transport buffer Um, yes uh, what were the other ones
1: there's like Borg rebuilding him. Borg rebuilding uh, him.
0: They reference uh, Sila in being the daughter of a time displaced Toth-V-Yar. It's Just good, right?
1: And yet we get, we get no answers. Something about the Black Mountain. We'll, we'll just we'll never know yeah. unless unless Rutherford cracks in the future. But
0: apparently, even hearing about it is so mentally scarring. It just messes with you forevermore.
1: Yeah, and I yeah I can only hope. I mean, Lord X has done some surprising things with like they're not just they don't just one and done characters and, and other things so i'm hoping that they that this comes back and, and it's somehow relevant in future episodes i can only hope yeah
0: i mean jet even came back in this episode and i still don't like yeah it.
1: that's right <laughs> you know what he seemed like a stand-up guy offering to open doors for boimler he also wanted to carry him possible.
0: over the threshold i feel like there's some unrequited love there
1: <laughs> maybe maybe that's the relationship that this show needs after all is uh Jet and, Boy- Jet and Bradward now, uh, Jet- Jetward
0: The only relationship that Jet needs to get involved with Is with the vacuum of space <laughs> Wow he, Is he become, quickly becoming your least favorite character? You know what actually That's the relationship that needs to happen Him and Jet They need to get together Oh yes Brad
1: the disliked character pair And they become like a powerhouse That opposes, uh, opposes the lower deckers I can see that happening
0: yes let's let's start a petition we got to make this happen
1: <laughs> someone get go on twitter and get mike mcmahon on the on the line and say you know what we need the the ultimate the ultimate nemesis on board the cerritos well gosh I mean, we've gone through pretty much everything what else is anything else stick out in your mind about uh, about this episode
0: so one thing that i noticed or rather noticed a lack of is where's paris's wedding ring are him and Bellana no hmm. longer an item
1: you know, his cameo is so... Like, the real Paris' cameo is so short. It's hard to say. But you're right, there is no wedding ring on his finger. And they make a point of him showing it in the last season of Voyager. So, yep. is it a, a statement about his character? Or is it just something that escaped the animation team?
0: Yeah, or did know. they just forget to tell the animators, Hey, this guy wears a wedding ring.
1: Right. Or but maybe... i have seen Riker.
0: Maybe they got back and they were just like, you know what? We have better options now, so it's over.
1: <laughs> Our options were constrained based on the availability of whatever the crew complement of Voyager was, a hundred and whatever people. Maybe, hopefully, we can only hope that Paris comes back and we get some clue as to the fate of, the, of
0: his wife and child. Or, you know, his wife and child show up. Oh, yes, or that. And there's still no the- explanation. <laughs> Neither of them are
1: wearing rings, and they're fighting, and you can't tell if it's a lover's quarrel or if they just hate each other after the divorce. It's just unclear.
0: Yep, I can live with that.
1: <laughs> well, what else? I, I feel like we've talked out a
0: lot, of, uh, a lot of what happens in this episode. Are we out of things? I think I am not only out of things, I am also out of drink.
1: Well, that would do it then.
0: And... Since that's the end of my tall glass, it's time to call it a night. You can catch us again next week for a review of Episode 4. In the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter, at Lower Dorks, or for a more intimate encounter, you can use the word infer when you obviously meant imply, and wait for Stravos to show up and tell you how you were wrong.
1: (laughs) I look forward to correcting you. Please make the error at any time.